It's Two Kingdom Tuesday. Well, it's Two Kingdom Tuesday. And uh, it's good to be back with you. And we're going to do a little bit of a run through on Two Kingdom Tuesday. But first to say, it is really hot today. Man, it is hot. It's like a European heat wave. It's, uh, I don't know how hot it is, but it's so hot that my iPhone like popped. It just popped out of its case. It's that hot. Also, just a disclaimer that today on this very sunny Two Kingdom Tuesday, I also have all of my children and family in the house with me, so there may be the occasional interruption, uh, or squawk, or shriek, or cry, or uh, general lament. Um, there's nothing I can do about that, so we're just going to roll with it. Just ignore it. It's all being taken care of. It's all handled. Um, right, so with that, uh, let's get back down to business. It is Two Kingdom Tuesday. Uh, someone handed me an interesting... Um, article. So uh, the article is called O Ye of Little Faith by Chloe Hamilton. And here are some of the statistics. According to the latest survey, which was released this week, the number of people who consider themselves to be Christian, this is in the UK, obviously, stands at just over a third, with the majority, 52% of the public, saying they're not religious at all. More than a quarter, 26%, don't believe in God, compared with 10% in 1983, with young people proving the least religious. Um, now, this is something that a lot of Christians in the UK are really worried about. A lot of Christians, I think, around the whole of the West are worried about. The general attendance, church attendance, seems to be in decline. Generally speaking, um, less people go to church, uh, fewer people call themselves Christians, and, uh, and it's distressing, especially if you are a Christian who's in your 70s uh, or 80s, and you've really seen the changes. You go back 50 years ago, 60 years ago, and truly uh, those statistics would look very different. 70% would say that they are, are Christian, at least. Uh, one in three would probably associate themselves with Christianity. And so I, I think um, it is understandable why these changes are so disorienting for so many people. However, if you're a Christian who's growing up sort of uh, from millennial age and, and younger, it's not quite so shocking. We've sort of been dealing with this since, since the beginning. We've just known that uh, Christianity has been a thing in decline um, all of our lives. And if we've only become Christians in later adulthood, like I did, then, um, you know, it's not a shock to us at all. We know that most people uh, don't associate themselves with Christianity. Most people, certainly the media, is skeptical towards it. Um, and to be perfectly honest, I think that just over a third of people associating themselves with Christianity is not uh, it is a bit of a misleading statistic because um, the the likelihood or, or the kinds of people who would call themselves Christian are not the kinds of people that Christians would necessarily agree are in fact Christians. You might be talking about people who go to church over Christmas and Easter, 
um, people who might be in churches for their wedding, for funerals, for baptisms, uh, that sort of thing would be included in that percentage. I think um, more or, or other statistics are often used by the FIEC and other evangelical organizations is that the percentage of the UK that is evangelical is about 3%. Um, and so I'll leave that. And apparently that's quite a generous statistic. I'm not a statistician. I'm not into uh, these sorts of things. So I, I, I will trust their, their say-so on that. But the fact that 30% of the population are still associating themselves as or, or referring to themselves as Christians, I think is quite extraordinary. That's quite a huge percentage of the population. I mean, just think back to uh, New Testament times. Think back to Corinth and Rome. How, what percentage of the population would have been Christian then? Uh, it, would, it wouldn't have even been a percent. There were 100,000 people, roughly, give or take, in Corinth in the first century. How big was the church in Corinth? I, I very much doubt it would have made uh, up a 1,000 people. So... Um, uh, so I think all in all, in all, the panic of uh, the secularization needs to be put into perspective because actually there's still a huge number of people who consider themselves, whether nominal or not, uh, to be Christian. And uh, I think that's, that's quite telling. Um, but even more telling is that uh, the fact that um, often going hand in hand with the secularization things is a frustration that Christianity is being downplayed in the public sphere and that other religions are giving are being given more of an opportunity um, of uh, in the public sphere and that's often seen to be anti-british and so we have a lot of controversy about that about policies and about uh, the rights of other religions and their dominance and should we pray at school and and therefore some people have said well rather than try and give every religion equal opportunity which would be quite be practically very difficult um, let's just give uh, no religions an opportunity and of course there are some with an agenda behind that there's some who'd like to see all religion sort of banned from public life altogether but I think um, a less cynical way to view it is simply practical uh, you have two choices. You either give everyone a go or you give no one a go. Um, Christ and culture, the church and uh, the world, the common grace culture and the redemptive grace kingdom are so intertwined in the UK. Um, so someone uh, reports, I was... In Parliament this morning for the launch of a report, and while that was happening, both chambers of Parliament were having Church of England prayers. Indeed, in the Lords, it was led by a bishop who has an automatic right to sit in that chamber. Mr. Thompson, who believes we're at the tipping point, would like to see a move not towards an atheist or humanist society, but a secular one. That means being equally inclusive of everyone, regardless of belief. Now, let's just stop and think about that for a moment. Um, many Christians are unhappy. Why are we giving everybody an opportunity? Why are my children being taught about other religions in schools? They pull their kids out of those schools, and, uh, and then they 
bring them back and homeschool them or take them out to a faith school where they where they won't be taught that. The problem is it's part of the curriculum. You have to know about it. And is it really such a bad thing that being equally inclusive of everybody, regardless of belief? To me, that sounds like quite a good thing. Isn't that the kind of society that we're actually striving for? Um, that, in fact, we do want to see freedom of religion. We do want to see freedom of opinion, freedom of choice, freedom of speech. Um, isn't that exactly the kind of society that we want to do? It's impossible to do that and also assert that uh, Britain must be a Christian country as well. I think it's very difficult to do both. However, I think Two Kingdoms Theology provides something of an answer here. Because we do want a society that's equally inclusive of everybody. I know that the whole language of inclusiveness and inclusivity and, and all that is being used really as anti-church rhetoric. That By inclusive, people mean anti-conservative. I get that. I get that that's going on. I get all the neo-Marxist stuff. I agree with it. I agree with um, Jordan Peterson's assessment of that. We need to watch out for the, the, left, the extremist left as well as the extremist right. I get it. I'm on board with that. Um, however, if we take it at face value, in the sense that of being truly inclusive, truly giving everybody the right to practice uh, their religion, the right to practice freedom of speech. That is the kind of society that we want. And we also want a strong church. We believe Christianity is the truth. We don't want to give everyone equal opportunity because we think all religions are equally valid. Uh, that wouldn't be a Christian way of thinking, it, thinking of it. But a Two Kingdoms way of thinking of it would be that actually we want to give everybody an opportunity uh, to have equal rights of speech and belief and so on because the world, the, the kingdom of the United Kingdom is a common grace institution. That is, it shouldn't be dominated. It shouldn't be forced into the a theocracy. It shouldn't be a place where uh, the church rules over everybody and that the bishops are making policy decisions about things that they ha simply have not been trained to do. Um, I, I just think this is, this is a very sensible way forward. So we acknowledge that it's a common grace institution, that we are a kind of prophetic voice within that common grace institution. We are called to testify to the gospel to uh, that common grace world. We share the gospel with it. We uh, model the Christian life to it. We give wise and godly opinions and, um, and voices to it, uh, into policies and so on. But we do it from the perspective of uh, not assuming the right to rule. We do it from the perspective of participants, of equals. And so um, I think that would more easily lead to an inclusive society than either the kind of aggressive, um, the aggressive stance of, of the kind of militant atheism or the LGBTQ community where inclusivism means anti-conservatism, uh, where you have to agree with everything, otherwise you're a bigot. No, that's not what we mean by inclusive. It means the right to agree to disagree but that we don't shut anybody down simply because uh, their beliefs differ from ours. 
Um, another thing that was interesting in the article is he says that Dave Mail, the Church of England's Director of Evangelism and Discipleship, concedes that ticking a box marked Church of England has now become an active choice rather than an automatic response. That's not a bad thing, is it? It's not a bad thing that in the secularization of Britain, people now have to actually make a conscious decision to think about what their religious affiliation is. Hang on a second. Do I actually believe what the Church of England teaches? Do I actually believe the Bible, the gospel? Do I believe what Baptists teach? Do I believe what Muslims teach? Um, rather than simply assuming, well, of course, I'm, I mean, I'm not a Muslim, therefore I'm Church of England, or I was born in England, therefore I'm Church of England, or I was christened in a church, therefore I'm Church of England. Well, no, I mean, I, I think it's surely a much healthier way to go about it if people are actively thinking through and deciding um, what their religious affiliation is, they, whether they are baptized as infants, whether they're born in the UK, uh, or whether they were raised as Christians, or whatever it is, for them to be able to simply, uh, not just simply assume that they're Christian, or that they're Church of England, but to adopt those things out of conviction, surely that will actually help to firm up uh, the boundaries between church and world, firm up the boundaries between saint and sinner, between uh, maybe that's a bad example. We are at the same time saints and sinners, but you know what I mean, between the sacred and the secular. Because at the moment, evangelicals and Christians in some parts of the world, maybe it's like this in America, it's certainly like this in some sections of British culture, where the lines are very blurred, the lines are very fuzzy. And so um, I think that rather than panicking about the whole secularization of Britain, rather than panicking about... Uh, how uh, the church has been in decline. I think what we're seeing is a decline of nominalism. I think what we're seeing is that the boundaries between in and out are growing clearer and stronger. I think what we're seeing is that people are now Christians by conviction and not simply Christians by presumption. And I don't think that is a bad thing. I also don't think that the church being forced out of the affairs of the, of the state, that is given an assumed role within the state in affecting policies simply because they are Church of England, um, I don't think that that era coming to an end is necessarily a bad thing either. Does that mean that uh, some ethics and policies are going to change? Yes. Does it mean that some of that is going to be for the worse? Yes. But in the grand scheme of things, it means that the church can continue to speak to the world as the church. And so we keep those boundaries clear. We make that distinction. We are the church and we speak to the world prophetically. We, give, we testify about the gospel. We give wise counsel. Uh, we rebuke and correct when necessary. We uh, model what a Christian life or a godly Christian life looks like. And surely that is a better way to influence the culture than simply the presumption of being Christian or the presumption that Christians should have a role. Anyway, that's my Two Kingdom ramble. I hope that helps. Um, and uh, that's all from me today. Have a good day and see you for whatever Wednesday.